0: My name is Amanda. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you find your next step toward Jesus. Enjoy the message. Our scripture comes from Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica. Um, We're starting in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. He says, you know, brothers and sisters, That our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of God, we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And happy Father's Day to all the
1: dads with us online. I hope it's a great, great day for you. So, curious here, how many of you are Scrabble fans? Anybody here played a little Scrabble through it? And how many of you switched to Words with Friends when that came out? Any, any word? No one played. Oh, come on. Who played Words with Friends? Some of you did? I know because I played some of y'all. And then you started using those cheats and I stopped playing with y'all. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Anyway, so Scrabble, I, my wife and I, early years of our marriage, we played this all the time, and she beat me all the time. So we moved on to other games that she could beat me at. But anyway, um, so Scrabble, I, I, I had this thought, I thought. What would be the most, like, you know, the words that you could get the very most points for? So I looked it up and found it on the Internet. And you know if it's on the Internet, it's got to be true, right? Uh, so, so here are the, the words that give you the most points. Now, here's the deal. The, these words have to land in the very right place, the board has to be set up, and the, you know, the words with the, like the double, triple spots, the, ha- the, wor- the letters have to land on just the right spots. But the, the, the fifth most points you can get from any word in Scrabble is flapjacks, all right? 356 points on that. Quixote uh, is the next word. Um, in case you're like me and you wondered what that is, that's a romantic thought or idea. Anyway, that's worth 365 points. Quetzal's anyone know what a quetzal is? Isn't it funny when you play words, words with Friend or Scrabble, you come up with words you've never, ever heard of and have no idea what they mean? That is the national bird for Guatemala. <laughs> All right, it's worth 374 points. Um, oxazepam is an anti-anxiety drug, 392 points. And then, see if I can uh, get this one, Oxafenbutazone. fenbutazone. Um, yeah, that's the, no, I'm sorry, I Quizify is 419. Yeah, 419. And then the word that you get the most points with, I give this, you wouldn't believe this one here, it's oxyfenbutazone. It's an anti-inflammatory drug. How many points do you want to guess this is worth? 1778 points. Now, that, they, they say, the guy who came up with this says it's probably never been used, but I know, I saw some of you writing it down, and you're ready to go play scrabble with somebody. So, those words are worth a lot. They, you know, get you a lot of points. Well, the reality is, it's just true of words. Words mean a lot. Words have a huge and big impact. They really do matter. Solomon, when he was writing down the wisdom that God gave him and recorded it in the book of Proverbs, says the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And you know that to be true. Because some of you, um, your lives have been built up and forever changed because of encouraging words that people spoke into your life who believed in you. And some of you, you carry around wounds from hurtful words. Maybe words that were spoken to you decades ago. And they don't leave, do they? They kind of just rattle around back there in the backside of our brains as a, as a source of hurt and pain, we know that Solomon's right words have the power of life and death. And so um, Paul, when he is writing to the church at Thessalonica, church he founded, a church of people that he loved and knew, he takes a, a moment in, in his first letter, And in the middle of the letter, share some personal thoughts. And just like we did a few weeks ago, I love these sections where Paul shares some personal remarks to the people that he's writing to. And he says this. He says, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And so Paul here says, like a father. We spoke into your life. And now, what he's referencing there is in the, in the first century, it was the, the, in, in the Roman world, it was expected that the father was the primary instructor, the primary teacher in children's lives. Now, that varies from culture to culture and time to time. In many ways, it's, it's the mom in, in, in our time, but in, in that day, it was the dad. And he says, just like that, just like dads would encourage and comfort and challenge, we did that with you and so today on this father's day I want to share a word with dads but it it affects all of us I want to I want to talk dads about the power of our words and how our words can bring life to our children Um, but if you're not a dad uh, it's okay this is God's word and Paul says this is how we spoke to you in the church This is to everyone and to anyone, male, female, uh, married, single, whether they have have children or not. There's something that applies here because the Holy Spirit inspired this. But I really do want to speak a a few words to dads today um, because words really do matter. First off, words have context. The words are important, yes, but they come from a context. They come from our lives. And our lives can undermine our words, or they can give strength to our words. Our, our lives get, can, can infuse our words with great power, the way that we live our lives. And before he talks about these three different ways that he's spoken to their lives, uh, Paul talks, he gives some context here, and he talks about his relationship with them. That the relationship really um, gave meaning and power to the words that he spoke In verse 8, he says this. uh, So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Paul was not there just to proclaim a message. He lived a life in front of them. He loved them. Dads, we know that we're not just there to, to raise our kids. We're there to have a relationship with them, to be a dad to them, to have a meaningful relationship. And he says... That, this, that the context comes from loving affection. Paul really cared about these people. You can see it in, in, in every word that he writes in this letter. That our, that our, uh, our posture towards someone determines how our words are received. If, if, if the person we're speaking to doesn't really feel we care for them, doesn't really, um, we may have a great word to share. You know, you've heard it said, people don't know how much you know till they know how much you care. They don't care how much you know, but they really, know, they really want to believe how much you care. And so it's true uh, for us as dads, true for us in the church. He said, we, we shared our lives with you because we loved you so much. When I was in seminary, my, my mentor, Bob Tuttle, gave me a word that I, I've tried to incorporate in my life. I don't think I've ever shared this, but he said, when you get up, he said, you pray. And I pray this often. He says, Lord, let me see the congregation I speak to today as you see them, and, and, and let me see them as I see my own children. And I, and I love you guys at LaCroix. Like, I love my kids. And it's from that context you see that Paul says, our words have more impact. And dads, our words come with loving affection, mean means something. Now, going back to verse 5, he says, you know, we never use flattery. Nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. Paul wants them to hear that that they saw the real Him. They saw the real Paul the apostle. He wasn't being fake around them and then, you know, acting one way in front of them and then living another way elsewhere. He he was transparent. He let them see. One of the things I, I love about Paul in his writings is he talks about his strengths and he talks about his weaknesses. And, and uh, he's able to speak with, uh, with greater power. And so dads, it means being transparent. Um, now, there are some emotions and some things perhaps we should be discreet about. But otherwise, just being open. I'm by no means a perfect dad and made many, many mistakes with my kids. But one thing, one thing that I think I got right is that when I got it wrong... I would apologize to my kids. I'd say, Dad, you know, hey, I lost my temper today. I'm so sorry I said that. I'm so sorry I did that. Because I wanted them to see that I wasn't perfect and that I could, even from a position of authority as their dad, be humble enough to say I was wrong. So transparency gives our words more context. And then in verse 9, he says, Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship." We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. Now, a little, little context here helps us understand what Paul is saying. Paul had a practice as an apostle. As an apostle, he was on the front lines, meaning he would go to places and preach where Jesus had never even been preached. Where people didn't even know who Jesus was. That's almost impossible in a world to, to think of a place, you know, especially in America, where you would do that. Everybody has some knowledge, some awareness of the gospel, some distant memory. But Paul would go on the frontiers and he would preach to people who had never heard about Jesus. Now, but there were a lot of religions and a lot of different pagan religions and, and so forth. And there were a lot of religious charlatans who would go about the world and, and they were out to make a buck. They were out to, to get something from people. They were in it for themselves. They were in it for what they could get out of them. So Paul had a practice that as is at, in his work as an apostle he never asked for financial contributions that would benefit him. Never. He worked as a tent maker and then he received financial support from christians elsewhere so that when he preached in frontier settings he never had to ask because there were so many assumptions in his day that the people when they took an offering it was just to benefit them and in that he's being utterly selfless paul's saying i'm not in this for me i'm in this for you and i didn't want anything to get in the way of you hearing the gospel when, when we live selflessly, it gives a greater power to our words. Dads, it does. Uh, not long ago, I had a, a guy in our church tell me that um, he was offered a promotion at work. And this was a pretty substantial promotion. It was going to mean um, a higher rank in the company. and It was going to mean a lot more money. It was also going to mean a lot more travel. And uh, he wrestled with it. And um, realized that his kids were at an age where dad being away for a lot was going to be detrimental to them, and so he turned it down. I'm not saying that that you should always do that. I'm just saying this dad did. Because he felt that it would take away too much from his kids. So he, he turned it down. It was a very selfless thing to do. I've known dads and moms through the years who've turned on opportunities to move uh, for their job, even though it might have been a better situation because maybe their kids were at a, a place where at that stage in their life, at that time, a move would have been detrimental. Again, that's not to say that always moving for, is, is a bad thing. Just sometimes it's looking out for the other first. Um, and so Paul's words were reinforced by this knowledge that the people who were hearing him knew that he was, had their best interests in mind. And then finally, he says this in verse 10. He says, you are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. Paul is really trying to emphasize that that his ministry among them was based on integrity. Integrity. Integrity means that what you see on the outside is what the person is on the inside. You know, when you open up a banana, you know, it's, it's, it, it looks like a banana on the outside, When you open it up on the inside is a banana. That's integrity. It's, it's true through and through. That integrity really matters. Character really matters. That, that if, if we don't have integrity, if, if we say one thing and then do another, that, that hypocrisy can be corrosive to our words. People say, yeah, I take that seriously. He doesn't live that. You know, he, he, he says it, but he doesn't believe it. Are the, the worst thing any, any dad can ever say, do as I say, not as I do? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. But Paul's saying, do as I say and as I do. I had power. He said, we live lives of, of um, holiness and righteousness and, and blamelessness before you. So, that, so dads and moms and everybody here, you know, the first thing you need to do to live a life of integrity is you need to come to a decision about what you're going to base your life on. And what's right and what's wrong. And what helps you determine what's right and what's wrong. Uh, Stephen Carter is an author, and, and he talks about integrity. He says there are three, three steps to being a person of integrity. He says the first thing is discerning. Discerning what is right and wrong. And then, and then he says it's acting. It's, it's living That out, and then it's saying it's it's um, saying this is what I believe. So discerning, you determine what is right, what is wrong, what is your uh, foundation going to be, and then act on it, and then tell others. So dads, it means that you say, "This is I'm basing my life on this." Years ago, I read the book Just as I Am, the autobiography Billy Graham wrote, and uh, you know I have great great respect for him. And because I've heard his children, adult children through the years say that uh, dad was the real deal. What you saw in the big stadiums, preaching before thousands of people, that's how he was at home. He was the real thing. Um, Well, in his book though, Billy Graham shares about how he had to wrestle with um, the authority of the Bible. Now, he grew up in a, in a Christian home where, where he was raised to believe that the Bible was word of God, and then he started studying theology. And if you know, in theological circles, there are those who, who um, question whether the Bible is valid or not, whether, you know, has all kinds of mistakes and errors, and, a, and a, a fellow evangelist by the name of Chuck Templeton, who worked with Billy Graham, read the same stuff and came to the conclusion that the Bible was not really the word of God, and he rejected his faith. And so he was really wrestling with this because the argument seemed strong and the case they were making was, was uh, kind of convincing to him and, and so he, he was wrestling with, do I, do I really believe the scriptures? And so one night, he's um, at a retreat center out in a forest and he said it was a warm August night and he went out to pray in the darkness and he knelt b- b- beside a stump and he said, oh God, there are many things in this book, he's holding a Bible, many things I don't understand. There are many problems for which I have no solution. I can't answer some of the questions Chuck and others are raising. He says, Father, and then and he's, and he's, he's praying. He says, Father, I'm going to accept this by faith. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow by faith and go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts and believe that this is your inspired word. And when he made that declaration in prayer, he said it's like something was settled in his heart. He said, when I got up from my knees... Uh, That August night, my eyes stung with tears. I sensed the presence of power of God as I had not in many months. Not all of my questions were answered, but a major bridge had been crossed in my heart and mind. I knew a spiritual battle in my soul had been fought and won. And it was from there that he based his ministry on this conviction that the Bible is indeed the inspired word of God. Have you wrestled with what you're going to build your life on? What you're going to base your life on? And then when you do, you say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live this way as a disciple of Jesus, I hope that would be the foundation, and um, act on it, and then tell my children, or tell others around me that this is what I believe. So when we come to, come to Father's Day, come to a message like this, I'm always cognizant of the fact that there's a, there's a percentage of people in the room who, are hearing this message with a bit of closed heart and a bit cynically because they carry around father wounds. There are a lot of father wounds. I wish it was a rare phenomenon, but it's, it's kind of more common than it, we'd hope it would be. Um, and when I've talked with um, people through the years, especially guys... Um, what, what I hear often when people talk about maybe a difficult relationship with their dad, they, it'll usually come from four different places. They will say, "My dad was harsh. He was he was just really hard to live with." Others would say he was aloof. He just wasn't even present. He, he his body might have been there, but his mind wasn't there. Others would say, "Well, my dad was selfish. He just put himself first. Still others would say, "My dad was a hypocrite. He said one thing and did another." Seem like those are the four things. But I want you to notice that the things Paul is saying that we give our lives to are the exact opposites of that. Instead of harshness, there's loving affection. Instead of aloofness, there's transparency and letting others in. Instead of selfishness, there's selflessness. And instead of hypocrisy, there's integrity. So, friends, by the power of the gospel, by God's grace, you can. You can live this and have that context. So words have context. Also, words have power. Words have great power. Um, Look at, um, uh, we'll go back to, to verse 11, which we started the message with. Let's look at this verse again, these verses. Paul writes, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father, deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom. And glory. So these are the words. Let's consider these words. First of all, he says, "encouraging words." is not it awesome to be encouraged? So many people need to be encouraged and built up. The word "encourage" literally means "to call alongside." And it sort of has this um, imagery of going up to someone and putting your arm around them, and walking side by side, all the while speaking words that are going to bring life and build up that person, to call along, to, to call someone alongside. Um, Mike Maddox is the pitching coach for the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, if you watch a fair amount of Cardinal baseball, as I do, you know when he goes out to the mound, uh, usually he goes out to the mound, it's a bad thing. Things are not going so well for the reliever. Um, and, and so he's out there. Have you ever noticed how he does I, I couldn't find a picture with both. He usually takes both of his hands and he puts them on the pitcher's shoulder and he looks them in the eye and he encourages them. And, and I love that. And I know all the w- concerns and everything about physical touch, but, you know, this is in front of a hostility full of people. <laughs> and, he's, and I just love how he is, it, he's old enough to be their dad. And how he speaks to these young pitchers, these young men. And, you know, they love him. And, and, I, and I hear reports of that. Um, this Last week, Miles Michaelis almost pitched a no-hitter. Did you watch that game? Get to the last out. Eight and two-thirds, ending no-hitter. And, and he, yeah, anyway... That's another story for another day. And he gave up a hit. But I said, in between innings, uh, Mike Maddox was encouraging him and telling you know, uh, hold the ball a little differently like this or do this. And, and words of encouragement until they get to about the sixth inning in a baseball, you don't talk to the pitcher when he's got a no-hitter, you know. Uh, just, that's just what you don't do, in case you were wondering that. Um, but, but, yeah, I love that. He calls him alongside. We need encouragement, don't we? We need people to believe in us. Paul says, we encouraged you. Comfort. Comfort is it's 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 for a lot of us, we think of it's a weak word like a comforter. You know, it's soft. It's not actually. Comfort means with strength. That's what the word literally means. With strength means it means to speak into someone's life with strength in a friendly manner. That's what comfort is. To speak with strength in a in a friendly manner. Words that are uplifting. Words that uh, give a person life. Sarah Sheriff wrote a book called Still a Daughter. And she tells an experience that happened when she was 29 years old. And before she does, she gives uh, background to uh, her story and her very difficult relationship with her dad. said her parents divorced uh, when she was um, in uh, junior high. And they said it was a a long, drawn-out affair, a divorce that that spread out over nine years. And in her book, she says this. She goes, I had erratic and intensely negative feelings for and about my dad throughout my high school and college years. And she said those feelings have mellowed out a little bit as I've become an adult. Now we live 1,200 miles apart. We don't see each other much. But we visit when we can. So our dad and his new wife invited them on a beach vacation and they went, and she brought her kids. And on the last day, as they're going to the car, which is all packed up and loaded and ready to make that long drive back home, uh, they were giving hugs and um, saying goodbye. And she said, my dad, my dad hugged and kissed me. His arms are still so strong and tight, no one's hugs feel like his. He told me again how thankful he was that I came on the trip. And, um, and right there, he said, he told me, He was proud of me. She says, I have to admit, after hearing those words from my dad, my 29-year-old self was filled. I can guess my dad's been proud of me. I'm at least sure he's not disappointed in who I am and what I've done with my life, but hearing him say that to me, despite all of our past and its residue, despite my independence from him, despite the deeply affirming relationship I have with my husband, get this, she says, it was like I've needed nothing else. 29 years old, she's got a family of her own. And her dad says, I'm proud of you. And it was so filling for her. She said, it was like I needed nothing else. Words matter. Maybe you're not a dad and your mom or you're a friend. <laughs> Maybe your words this week could be huge, but when it comes from a dad, oh my, how powerful it is indeed. He says, like a dad with his children, we we're encouraging, we're comforting, and urging you, urging you to live lives worthy of God. One one translation puts it challenging you. You can translate that different ways, but it has this picture of calling out and calling up. That the dad sometimes need to call out their kids, and sometimes they need to call them up and help them to believe and to press through. Um Jim Davidson knows a thing or two about that. Jim Davidson is a world-class mountain climber. And uh, he and a friend of his, Mike Price, were on a trip to climb Mount Rainier. And they successfully reached the summit. And on their way back, this was June of 1992, he tells this story in the book called The Ledge. On their way back, they crossed an ice bridge and it gave way. And they fell 80 feet into a glacier crevice where it was pitch black, and both sides of the wall were just sheer ice. His climbing partner, Mike Price, died in the fall. And as he's laying there in the utter darkness, facing walls of ice on both sides, he said at that moment, the words of his dad came back to him. And he gives some background to his relationship with his dad um, and how strong it was his dad had a company in that they they specialized in painting very high things. So like uh, uh, radio towers or steeples or high-pitched roofs. And he said from the time he was 12 years old, his dad would take him out on the job site and have him climb to the very highest things, much to the horror of his mother. (laughs) But he would go up there with his dad, and he said that... um, His dad wanted him to accomplish great things and believed that if he pressed through adversity, that if he faced hard things and didn't give up, um, he could prevail. So here's Jim, bloodied and bruised, his climbing partner dead next to him. No cell phones, no way to call for help, except to go up. And uh, while he's a very experienced mountain climber, he's not an experienced ice climber, especially at that level. And slowly but surely, he begins to ascend this icy wall with snow crumbling around him and the risk of the whole thing caving in and him dying. And five hours later, he makes it to safety to the top. And he said the whole time, he kept recalling the words of his dad. Words, words, can give life, can give death. Isn't it powerful and amazing, the power of a word? And he says here, like a dad with his children, we are encouraging, comforting, challenging you. But what? Challenging you to live lives worthy of God. Dads, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, the most important thing in the world is that your kids come to a saving knowledge of Jesus and come to love and know him. Because, you know, you can challenge them to go to college, prestigious college, get a great degree, get a, have a great career, make a lot of money, have a big house and drive a nice car, and they'll be so poor. Or you could challenge them to live lives worthy of God and as disciples of Jesus, it's the most important job we have. Words have power. Your words can have a power to them as well because it comes out of a context. I realize that for some here, you might be feeling kind of bad because you haven't, um, you haven't used your words this way. You can start. And maybe some of you haven't used your words to encourage and comfort and challenge because you've never Received a blessing yourself. When Jesus ascended back to the Father on the day of Ascension, this is after the cross and the resurrection, um, he was with his disciples. And it says while he notices, it says while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. I've always focused on the Ascension part, you know, that Jesus ascends back to the Father. But notice his last words: he was blessing them. We're not; those words aren't recorded but he was blessing his disciples on his way. And I, I can only imagine what those words, maybe he spoke individually to Peter. Maybe he spoke to John or to James, and he, and he gave them some words of encouragement, comfort. We know he spoke challenging words in the Great Commission. But he blessed them. In Zephaniah, it's this. I want, I want you to hear this, especially some of you have not heard that. From a dad. See, I I never heard words from my dad because he died when I was 16 months old. Maybe he didn't have the opportunity. Maybe he had a dad who just didn't use his words to bless you. Listen to this from Zephaniah. Zephaniah says, the Lord your God wins victory after victory and is always with you. He celebrates and sings because of you, and he will refresh your life with his love. One translation says he sings over you. I want you to hear this. Your heavenly father loves you so much that he sings over you sings over you. If you're a dad or mom, you remember when your kids were really little and you'd sing to them? I used to sing to my kids till they could figure out that I couldn't sing on key and then I stopped singing to them, you know. Um, you just do that because you love them so much. Your father sings over you. I want you to hear the words that Jesus spoke, that Jesus heard when he was baptized. He said, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased, the father said. Your heavenly Father says, I'm proud of you. Some of you need to hear that. You are my son. You're my daughter, and I'm pleased with you. So receive that blessing, and then by God's grace, give that blessing to others, would you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, Paul's testimony here of his love for the the believers at the church of Thessalonica and how they still speak words of life to us 2,000 years later. God, may we be a people who use our words to bring life. May we encourage. May we comfort. May we May we challenge when necessary. And may we do it all in a life of love, integrity, transparency, living a life that's honoring to you. So, Jesus, we thank you for the roles that our dads have played in our lives, speaking words over us, and the roles that others have been in our lives, speaking those words. And may we be used by you to speak words of life. We pray in the name of the one who is life. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: If you enjoyed today's message, make sure to subscribe to this channel. Feel free to share this with others that God has put on your heart. To learn more about LaCroix Church or to find your next steps, head to LaCroixChurch.org. Thanks again for checking us out and we hope to see you soon.